Talking to the biggest names and the most interesting minds in and out of the fight game. This is the Luke Thomas Show on Sirius XM Fight Nation. All right, we're back. Welcome back, Luke Thomas Show, 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. Okay, I'm very excited about our next guest. So we had on James Wilkes, who was sort of the impetus of this documentary about veganism essentially in athletics and athletic performance called Game Changers. James Wilkes, of course, had fought in the UFC, and that was the hook for the show. Turns out that the documentary has got a lot of problems, uh, and many people have expressed some reservations about him, but as I was looking for information about what I could really sink my teeth into for like substantive critique, I found one from a source that I have gotten many things from over the years. He's a PhD, I believe, in nutrition science. He has done uh, coaching, powerlifting, bodybuilding. He's an author, YouTuber, and much more. The renowned Lane Norton joins the show. Lane, how are you, sir? I'm great, Luke. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, delighted that you are here. Okay, so many people know who you are, but for those who may be, uh, this is the first time hearing from you, very quickly, just what is your um, exercise and nutrition background? Sure. So the fastest way I can describe it is I'm either a meathead who is really into science or I'm a geek who's really into lifting. So I, uh, I got into lifting when I was a teenager, and then as I got into college, kind of decided I wanted to shape my education around that so i did a bachelor's in biochemistry did a phd in nutritional sciences with an emphasis on uh, protein metabolism and uh, while i was there started a coaching business where i did online coaching before everybody on instagram who has abs was an online coach and uh so i, I worked with like 1700 clients over the course of about 13 years and myself uh have won uh, uh shows in professional nat- drug-free bodybuilding as well as uh, placed second in the world back in 2015 in uh, drug-free powerlifting. Quite thorough. Okay, so with that uh, preamble in mind, the Game Changers documentary came out. As I explained to the audience, we had on James Wilkes, who seems like a a nice guy, um, Mm -hmm. but then the more I learned, the more dismayed I became, and I felt like I had done my my audience a disservice. So here you are to the rescue, uh, Mr. Norton. Let's just sort of state principally, because I want to dig into some of the specifics, but if you had to explain to someone very simply what the problem with the Game Changers documentary is, what is the simplest answer? Well, to, to be fair to Game Changers, I have yet to see any nutrition quote-unquote documentaries on any platform that I would consider worth a darn. So <laughs> there's no, it's not like it's, uh, it's that much worse than all the other stuff that's out there. Uh, I think that you know, what I was hoping for when I'd heard about this was that they could, they could show examples of vegans who had excelled at athlete, athletics um, because I, I would never argue that a vegan can't excel at athletics. I think that absolutely they can. I think on some levels it might take a little bit more work just to make sure you're meeting your nutrition requirements, but absolutely they can. And I, I you know, I was hoping that would be what the documentary was about. Unfortunately, when what you find is especially in nutrition, it's kind of replacing religion now. And you see this with all different diet tribes, whether it's uh, people really into keto or fasting or veganism. Um, they get really passionate about it for about something that worked well for them. And then they kind of try to ascribe magical properties to it. So that was pretty much what happened 
in most of the film, they took, you know, they did cite some scientific research. Um, a lot of the scientific research they cited, they cited inappropriately, or in some cases, just completely left out things. They did a lot of cherry picking. Most of the, what I would call strong evidence that they cited for most of their claims was through epidemiology, which is basically you look at a population, you look at the risk factors for various things, and you come up with a correlation between the risk factor and the population. Now, but there's a host of problems with that. Uh, for example, they, they, they bring up a lot, you know, uh, animal consumption and heart disease or animal consumption and cancer and mortality and whatnot. Well, the problem with bringing that up is you have a lot of confounding variables, including uh, people who eat meat are more likely to exercise less, they're more likely to smoke, they're more likely to drink. They're, uh, they consume more overall calories. Uh, a study that was looked at omnivores versus vegans saw about 600 more calories per day consumption in non-vegans. And so what you have when people choose to do vegan is they are already choosing uh, what we call health-seeking behaviors. So typically, they have just an overall more healthy lifestyle as part of that veganism lifestyle. And so you don't, you don't usually, you, you do, you do sometimes, but you don't usually see a lot of vegans, you know, going and, and plowing down a 12-pack and smoking cigarettes, you know. So they actually did a study a while back of 11,000 people, I believe it was in the UK, and they attempted to control for some of these problems. And one of the things they did was they went to, they recruited people from health stores that were either vegetarians or non-vegetarians. And they found that when they recruited them from a health store, meaning they both had, both groups had health-seeking behaviors, they saw no difference in mortality or, or disease incidents. Um, there was also a study done in Australia a little while ago. I can't remember what year, but it was almost 250,000 people. And once again, saw no difference in mortality between uh, people who ate meat and people who didn't. So if you're, if you're trying to correlate these epidemiology studies to health, why don't we see in people who have health-seeking behaviors, why don't we see this drastic difference in mortality in people who are vegans versus not? And the whole video, I mean, it kind of, it starts out very subtle, and then by the end they're basically trying to convince you that if you're eating meat you won't be able to get an erection. So um, – that, that was kind of my problem with it is they almost try to, they try to scare you into becoming vegan. And I have no problem. If you, in fact, I think the strongest argument for being vegan is, a, is the ethical consideration is if you just don't want to harm animals or do purposeful harm to animals. I think that's the strongest consideration. But where I have a problem with it is when they kind of manipulate the facts that are out there or cherry pick the facts to suit an agenda to try and scare people into doing a certain kind of lifestyle or diet. And that's a lot of what the film did. That was only one example. The, the gladiators were if, if, if I may, let me, let me interject here if I can, Lane. Again, yes, Lane Norton please. joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. Uh, for, if you want, we don't have time to get into every claim that sure. uh, Lane okay. digs into, but for my audience's sake, uh, we're going to put this video on YouTube. I'll put the uh, link from uh, Lane's website in the description box. We've tweeted it at MMA on SiriusXM. Now, this show, Lane, is principally but not exclusively about MMA, and that obviously yeah. has a tie-in, not merely from James Wilkes, but from Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. The film goes... Yeah. I mean, this was, this was to me like automatic red flag, borderline disqualifying of everything. They essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, but... 
my assessment was they tried to basically claim Nate Diaz was able to be better than Conor McGregor on the night that Nate filled in on late notice uh, at UFC 196 because he's a vegan and Conor ate one too many steaks. True or false? Uh, I would say that's false, uh, and they certainly – that's how they constructed it. Now, they've kind of – I've seen some interviews of some of the apologists for the film, and they've kind of said, well, that's not what we were saying – and if you listen, Connor himself said that maybe he had one too many steaks. Well, if you listen to the lead up to the fight, Connor made a big deal out of the fact that he ate steak and, and Nate was a vegetarian. So he kind of had to eat crow afterwards, and he probably said it kind of in jest. I don't think he actually believes that he lost because he ate steak. Um, and, I mean, where was the mention about the rematch where Connor actually won? So did Connor go vegetarian for that? And you have a lot of examples of them cherry-picking athletes. Again, no one is going to argue, or maybe some people will, but I won't make the argument that you can't be an elite athlete and be vegetarian or vegan. Absolutely you can. Uh, you know, and Nate Diaz is a phenomenal fighter. He's actually one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. I always say, if I had to get into a, a brawl or a street fight and I had one person to pick, it might be Nate Diaz because he might just be the toughest guy in MMA. Um, but, you know, he's... <laughs> Then they kind of – it's like, well, what about the other people who be, beat Nate Diaz? Were all of them vegetarians? I mean, if you want to play that logic out, it just doesn't hold up. And then they, they for example, cherry-pick um, a strongman. This is a great example. They cherry-pick a strongman who had uh, Patrick – I can't remember his last name, but he had the, the world record for the heaviest carry. It was like 1,200 and something pounds, and he's a vegan. Well, what they don't tell you is his meal plan. He eats I, – I went and looked it up. He eats over 400 grams of protein per day. He has three to four shakes per day. Now, why didn't they bring this up? Why weren't they honest about that? Now, he is a vegetarian, or he is a vegan. It's vegan protein. And I would tell you, because some of my research in protein metabolism directly examined this. If you get a vegan protein source high enough, it will be as good as an animal source, but usually you need more of it. So that's why he's having to eat so much total protein per day because of, you know, it being vegan protein. So you're not, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that from broccoli. You know, you're going to have to supplement. So why didn't they kind of include that? It's just an example of cherry picking. The other thing that they didn't talk about was, okay, he broke this record carrying 1,200-something pounds. Where was the mention of Brian Shaw and Hapthor Bjornsson, who right. carried over 1,500 pounds, and both of whom eat enormous amounts of meat? Uh, one more example was uh, Bryant Jennings. They, they mentioned he was a boxer who went the distance with Vladimir Klitschko. And they said, well, you know, and Vladimir is one of the greatest boxers of all time, who, by the way, eats meat. So, you know, if you're going to make a documentary, if you want to be a real documentary, you know, if they want to make the argument that you can be a, a high-level athlete and be vegan, I think that's a, a perfectly fine argument. But the way – and I, I will take your – because maybe I'm a little bit biased on this, but the way I took it as they were almost completely dismissing their training, you know, their backgrounds, and they went right to, well, veganism is basically a performance enhancer, and that's why they became so great at the sport. That's kind of the way I felt like they were framing it. Did you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, the, there's so many problems with the logic on the Connor fight with Nate. I mean, yes, Nate did take that fight on 10 days' notice, 
but because of that, he had to go up two weight classes from what Connor had been traditionally yep. competing at. So he was at 145, where he looked terrible on the scales to try to make the weight. Yep. He always did it, but it was really unhealthy. This was at 170, and his coach famously said, you've been seeing him on salads, wait till you see him on steak. That's sort of where it came from, <laughs> because he didn't even want to fight at 170. He wanted at 155, but Nate couldn't make it, so they just bumped all the way back up. But the rematch, Nate, uh, or, or uh, Lane, the rematch was at 170, <laughs> where Connor won just fine, right? So it's kind yeah. of crazy. Um, yeah. Let me go on and move on to some of these other claims that I find very interesting that you really dig into. Here is one that I always, again, red flag territory for me, is when nutrition experts or whatever you want to call them, they make claims about how early man used to eat and we should eat yeah. like early man, even though that doesn't really make sense. They often don't know how early man actually ate, whatever. But this one, kind of like how gladiators they claim were vegan. What, what is the claim here and why is it bad? So... The, the problem with claiming that gladiators were vegan, I think, now if I go back and look, I don't know if they actually came out and said they were vegan, or they, but they did say they ate mostly plant-based. And the, certainly the, the way they framed it made it feel like they were saying gladiators were vegan. Uh, so if you look at, I actually pulled up the study that they referenced. They, actually, they didn't actually reference the study. They referenced an article. Well, I went to the article and I got the study that they were talking about. And... Interestingly enough, at this grave site, um, this is one particular grave site, they saw that those gladiators, based on some stable isotopes, which ironically I looked at in grad school as well, uh, but based on stable isotope incorporation of um, nitrogen amounts, they were basically able to say that it's highly likely they had a plant-based diet. Now, that's at one grave site. At another one, at Thebes, they found high concentrations of sulfur, suggesting that they actually had a diet that was very rich in fish. And if you look back at that long ago, they weren't eating vegan because of performance enhancing. They're eating what's available to them in the region. That's what they're eating. That's why it's different from site to site. And it's interesting that they interviewed Franz in the, uh, in the documentary, who's one of the collaborators on this paper, but they didn't interview his co-collaborator, Carl Groschmidt, and I'll tell you why. Groschmidt is quoted as saying, the vegetarian diet had nothing to do with poverty or animal rights. Gladiators, it seems, were fat. Carrying a lot of, uh, or sorry, consuming a lot of simple carbohydrates such as barley and legumes like beans was designed for survival in the arena. In the arena. Packing in the carbs also packed on the pounds Gladiators needed subcutaneous fat. A fat cushion protects you from cut wounds and shields nerves and blood vessels in a fight. So that's a direct quote from one of the people who wrote the scientific paper. So um, it's interesting that they didn't talk about that. Now, again, I would say it's probably highly likely that at that particular grave site that they went to, that they ate a diet rich in plant-based material. But that doesn't say anything for them doing it for performance reasons. That, that's not why they did it. They did it because it's available to them and possibly because if it puts on a little bit more body fat or it's probably a cheap energy source dense of food, sorry, energy dense source of food, whereas feeding animal meat is really expensive to raise. You're not going to feed that to slaves. Hmm. 
Amazing. Uh, Lane Norton joins us here on the, the Luke Thomas Show. Okay, so again, we won't have time to get to everything, but another one that really stuck out to me because you see a lot of people talking about this. It's weird. It seems like nutrition... Um, to the, I mean, there is nutrition science, but the amount of people who broadcast contrasting versions of it, I think, often without uh, an academic background, they, they, they are they are they are large in number. So I see a lot of people talking about inflammation these days, Lane. Yep. Now th- they tried to claim in the movie that animal protein increased inflammation. I have heard that a number of different times. What is the from your vantage point? What is the truth of that claim? Yeah. So it depends on the kind of meat you're talking about. So the problem with, so first of all, you make a good point that a lot of people broadcast this stuff. And I always joke that if I was a a theoretical physicist who had a PhD in string theory, that people, when I meet them, they probably wouldn't want to tell me their opinion on string theory. But because I have a PhD in nutritional sciences, everyone will tell me their opinion about nutrition because everyone eats. So everyone has formed an opinion and feels it's valid. Hmm. As far as protein increasing inflammation, if you're talking about high-fat, highly processed meat, yeah, it seems like it increases inflammation. However, if you're talking about lean meat, so there's several studies looking at lean meats. Lean meats actually decrease inflammation, the inflammatory, initial inflammatory response. And people who consume lean meats have lower levels of inflammation, probably because inflammation is actually more so tied to the total amount of calories you consume. So think about who eats a lot of meat in this country. Well, it's going to be people who are eating a lot of, and they, use, they actually use studies several times citing they consumed you know, this cheeseburger or hamburger and they saw the levels of inflammation go up. I have no doubt of that. That's a very highly processed, high-fat, high-calorie meal. But when they do lean meats such as chicken, fish, even lean beef, show decreases in inflammatory responses. And um, that's, <laughs> that just goes to show that you can't just look at it in isolation. And also the danger of epidemiology compared to actual randomized controlled trials. Because again, if you're looking at an association, well, yes, of course you see an association with meat and inflammation. That's because people who eat more meat tend to have more body fat, tend to be more likely to be obese, and have overall more unhealthy lifestyle. But if you look at people who eat lean meats, they have lower levels of inflammation. And interestingly, I came across a study where they looked at um, inflammatory responses to regular cheese, full-fat regular cheese, versus vegan cheese, and actually showed that the vegan cheese initiated a higher inflammatory response. So now that's probably more to do with the fact that it's more highly processed. And, uh, and possibly the, the fat content and breakdown. But again, that's why what they did in the film was cherry-pick things. They didn't look at the randomized controlled trials. Probably, well, one, I always say if you're looking for confirmation bias, if you, if you want to prove what you already believe to be true, then you're going to do that. That's called confirmation bias. So, for example, if I think the world's flat and I go to Google and I type in why is the world flat, you're going to come across a lot of websites that if you don't know anything about the subject, you might be pretty convinced by. But that's called confirmation bias because you're already trying to prove what you think to be true. Hmm. You know, what's so interesting about this movie, uh, 
lane is that I, I don't there's I don't know what the classification for the type of eating it is that I do, which is uh, you know what do you want to call it vegan light or something, which is to say <laughs> I try to I try to really limit the amount of meat that I eat, but uh, I do have some on occasion. I don't go crazy, uh, and I and to the point you had raised earlier, my main objection is um, is animal welfare. That's really why I don't uh, I try to l- limit what I eat and how I eat it, right? But I eat eggs and things like that and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just thinking about this, like if I hadn't known about you. If I had not read this article, I really I, I don't know that, and I'm certain that the that the people who made this movie did not have sinister motives. But if someone doesn't have your background, I mean, yes, I caught a red flag on the McGregor Diaz stuff, given my personal occupation. But without your level of knowledge, uh, what is the average person supposed to do when encountering yeah. movies like this? It seems like they are absolutely helpless, but for serendipity in finding the kinds of articles that experts like you write. Yeah, I always say I feel really bad for, for somebody who doesn't have a background in this stuff because it is really easy to get convinced. And even when I was younger and even had a background in biochemistry after I graduated undergrad, I got suckered into it by various few fads for short periods of time. What, what I can tell you is one of the best ways to pick out either you know charlatans versus experts are people who are charlatans and who are trying to sell you something, they're going to use words like best, worst, never, always, a lot of superlatives. And they're going to try and make their way seem like the, the cure to everything, right? I mean, veganism sounded like, from the film, sounded like the cure from, from you'd never die and you'd have the biggest erection in the history of mankind, right? And you'd be a pro fighter. So, I mean, when you're making such broad, sweeping claims, um, there's a quote by Christopher Hitchens, who's a great... Um, one of the great logics of the, of the 20th century. And he said, um, that which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. And he yeah, also Hitch, said... Hitchens razor. Yeah. And he also said that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, which I usually find to be true. So what I always tell people, and I just got done doing a course this past week in Australia where I was training uh, PTs and, and coaches to be better at what they do. Uh, I said... If it sounds too good to be true, it is. And that has, that has almost never failed me. So the problem is when, when you get experts on, they start talking about nuance and they sound unsure because there's a lot of levels. There's not simple black and white, yes and no answers. It depends on a lot of different things. And so if you've got one person like that versus one person who's kind of a zealot but just very, very sure of themselves um, – who is the average person going to believe more? I mean, look who gets elected. I mean, people like, um, you know, people believed Hitler because he was so, I'm not comparing, I don't want to compare any of the people who made the film to Hitler, but he was so convincing and he was so confident and he spoke so well that a lot of times the best scientists aren't really great speakers and they don't get their point across very well. So don't just listen to what somebody says, listen to the actual claims and whether what they're saying actually can, because if you actually go and look at some of the studies they cited, if you actually go pull them up, if you know anything about science whatsoever, not even a nutrition background, you can pretty quickly figure out, wow, they, they kind of misrepresented this and they kind of, you know, didn't even cite the right study here and that sort of thing. 
If you want more information from uh, Lane, there's a million ways to get it. We've linked out the article, which also has a video he put out with his wife. You can check that out. There's a lot of claims we didn't even have time to get to. Uh, he has a website, biolane.com. He has Instagram. He's got a lot of things going on. We are up against a break, uh, Lane, but I got to say it's a real treat to get you on here. I hope everyone reads your article and at least uh, investigates more of these claims on their own with, with the help of people like you. Sure, I appreciate it. I enjoyed being on. Thank you. There he goes, Lane Norton, uh, a great expert on these matters. I cannot recommend this enough. And to the listeners of the show, again, it's not. I want to be clear about this. I have I have advocated on behalf of veganism in a large part on this show because of the animal welfare concerns, and I will continue to do that. I think I, I think they have a very strong argument when it comes to that. There are other strong arguments, but the reality is also that you have to be fair to the science. You have to be fair to the facts. You have to be fair to the nuance that this world often requires. I thought Lane threaded that needle in this article really well. All right, Luke Thomas Show, 877-FIGHT-93, coming right back.